Okay, honest question time. Who here is sort of a little bit, at least, afraid to die? Let's see by a raise of hands. I'll raise my hand. Presumably nobody here today has already experienced physical death. More often than not, that only happens once. There's only been a handful of people throughout history who have been raised from the dead and had to die again. And so the fact of the matter is, none of us know for sure what that experience is really like. It's clouded with mystery, isn't it? It's unknown. And that is part of the reason it's so painful when someone we know and love is experiencing that passing over from this life to the next because we don't really know what they're experiencing, what that's like. One lady after Mass this morning said that she's not afraid of death for herself, but she's afraid for those that she's leaving behind. She doesn't know what's going to happen, right? She's like, man, I I don't want to leave them. It's hard. It's a mystery. As we all know, though, as Scott Hahn put it so well, there is a 100% mortality rate But there's also a 100% immortality rate. And we trust and believe that our souls survive the separation from the physical, biological body, and our soul appears before the judgment seat of Christ, who is our merciful judge. And yet death remains a mystery. And so there is often kind of a, a natural and understandable fear, at least some sort of trepidation that comes along with anticipating that moment when we will cross over from this world into the next life. But let me ask you this. Has anyone ever told you that you are already dead? Like right now, you're dead. What do I mean by that? Well, what St. Paul told us in our second reading this evening, he said, brothers and sisters, are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Are you unaware that you are dead already, that you've already died? We were buried with Jesus through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. Then he goes on. If then we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Consequently, you must think of yourselves as dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. So yes, in a manner of speaking, you are already dead. Dead to sin and alive for God. Is that the way that we think? Because if not, then we are missing out on a lot of freedom. We're missing out on so much freedom. Because it's not so much that our job as Christians is to try really, really hard to put sin to death in our life. That's how we sometimes think, right? It's all up to us to just get rid of this sin and put it to death, to finally make it dead, to just stop sinning, right? But actually, the way that we're supposed to think about it is that we are dead to sin already, and now we are being invited to live into that reality, in that identity, by the grace and the power of the resurrected Lord, who is alive in us. It all flows from that fact, 
that reality of what Jesus has already done for you and for me on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. By our baptism into his death, we have already died to sin. And now we are a brand new creation. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are already adopted, chosen, consecrated. You are raised to new life in him who has already risen from the grave. He will never die again. So that means that sin has no business in your life anymore. It just doesn't belong. It's incompatible with this new life that you've already been given in the waters of baptism. Sin has no power over you, really. Let's say that together, okay? So I'm just going to lead you. Sin has no power over me. Can you say that? Sin has no power over me. Can you see how that is different than us trying really, really, really hard to stop sinning on our own power, by our own efforts? Can you see how that is radically different than trying to earn your way into a kind of personal spotless perfection that you yourself have somehow achieved? Sin was already crucified. It was already put to death on the cross once for all. And so when we look at Jesus on the cross, look at him. That is our sin, dead, killed, crucified. And so we are, in principle, already dead to sin as well. And so that means that we can now finally start living. But how do we do that? How can we possibly stay good and dead to sin and alive to God? Well, I've got five basic, indispensable methods for you all to ponder today. The first, surround yourself with holy friends. I emphasize holy friends. If you're going to live a life that is really truly dead to sin, then you're going to need good friends. You need an encouraging and supportive community. Get connected and stay connected. We are just not strong enough to be Lone Ranger Christians. And without good Christ-centered relationships and friendships, we're sure to start making all sorts of compromises and compensations, and we will drift away from Jesus. So go get you some holy friends who can call, call you out when you are drifting, who you can call on the phone when you are feeling tempted, people who will be able to push you forward in faith and encourage you maybe when you have failed. Iron sharpens iron. And we're here for each other. The church is not some sort of country club. It's a family of believers pushing each other forward towards heaven. So that's number one. Surround yourself with holy friends. Number two is like it. Invoke the saints. Not only do you need good earthly community and friendships, but you also need heavenly friends who will stand by you and come at once to help and support you. So ask your patron saints, especially your confirmation saint, to help you to put any and all sin to death in your life. If you don't have a patron saint, then I would encourage you to start reading the lives of the saints. Get to know your heavenly allies. Above all, cling to our Blessed Mother, 
because she is immaculate. She knows what it means to be completely unstained, to be completely and totally dead to sin. The angels, too, are on our side. They're, they're saints in heaven as well, and they want to help us, too. Never forget that you have a guardian angel who is fighting for you. I was not really ever taught that growing up, that I have a guardian angel, and so I have to very consciously, from time to time, remind myself of that. But it's really amazing, because what it means is, is that we are never alone. These heavenly helpers are all around us, immediately accessible, and are more than eager to join in the battle with you. So be bold and ask them for help, to be dead to sin always. So one, surround yourself with holy friends. Two, invoke the saints. Number three is invest in personal prayer. Prayer is like breathing. If you don't breathe, you will die. If you do not pray, your faith, your virtue, your relationship with the Lord will die. There is just no other way around it. And so if you want to stay dead to sin and alive for God, then we all need to invest more fully in deliberate, intentional, and yes, prolonged time in personal prayer. My favorite definition of prayer of all time is wasting time with God. We waste so much time, don't we? <laughs> we waste all kinds of time on our phones, on Netflix, on social media, on worrying about stuff that we see in the news. I am guilty of this as well. We waste a lot of time. So it's time for us to waste more time with God, who loves us and who wants to help us. Go ahead and park yourself sometime in front of the tabernacle. Create a prayer corner in your home. Walk around your neighborhood praying the rosary. Bring your kids. If you are living a life of intimacy with the Lord, then you will want to sin less and less and less. If you fall more and more deeply in love with God, then you are sure to become more and more dead to sin. How can you love him, though, if you never spend any time with him? So make time for the Lord. Number four, persevere in the sacramental life of the church. Our participation here in the Holy Eucharist and in the, the reception of the Sacrament of Reconciliation are our lifeline to God. They are tangible ways that we can stay united with him and with his church and live out that baptismal promise that we have made. And if we drift away from those sacraments, then we drift away from God. When we sin, especially when we sin seriously, we have this beautiful and blessed opportunity as Catholics to come and put our sin to death in the confessional. I think sometimes we think about going to confession as like, oh man, I got to go to the principal's office. I'm in trouble. But really, it's more like going to the doctor. You're going in for spiritual surgery. You go in there and you tell Jesus, the divine surgeon, where the sickness is, what the sickness is, and he immediately cuts it out. He kills the cancer. He puts it all to death, and he sends you home healthy again. So persevere in the sacraments if you want to be dead to sin. Lastly, number five, be relentless with your environment. This is something that Father Mike Schmitz always talks about. Be relentless with your environment. Now, you need to be gentle with yourself. You need to be patient 
and gentle with yourself because God is patient and gentle with you. And yet, at the same time, we have to be absolutely relentless with our environment, with the things around us, with the situations that we face. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, Jesus says. Be relentless with your environment. Be patient with yourself and your soul, but be relentless with everything else. Stop at nothing to change what really does need to change. One time, a guy literally broke his smartphone right in front of me because it had become such an obvious occasion for sin. He knew that if this device remained in his life anymore, then he would keep on looking at impure stuff online. He wanted to stay dead to sin. So what did he do? He became relentless with his environment. He took out his wrath on that iPhone, okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you to go home and smash your iPhones, even though that might help a lot of you. But at least, at least ask yourself this, how can I be more relentless with my environment so that I can be dead to sin and alive to God more easily? Do you need to pour that bottle down the drain? Then do it. Do you need to move the television out of the bedroom or out of that area in your house where you just kind of get sucked to it? Then do it. Do you need to have a hard conversation about setting clearer physical boundaries with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Then have that conversation. Do you need to delete apps from your phone or put filters or on your computer or unsubscribe from this or that streaming service? Well, then get on with it. Nothing is worth risking our relationship with God over. Because as Jesus said in the gospel this weekend, whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. When it comes right down to it, if we're not willing to do whatever it takes to really be dead to sin in every single way, then we are not worthy of Jesus. If we're not willing to lose our life for him, then we'll never find life in him. That sounds pretty harsh, but it's the case. It's simply true. We can't spend the rest of our lives with our sin on life support. What a miserable way to live that would be, to spend all of our days on earth saying, tomorrow, tomorrow, just let me have one more taste, one more bite, one more sip of sin today, then tomorrow, Lord, I'll, I'll put it away forever. Tomorrow I will be dead to sin, Lord. But today, I need at least this much. At least this little tiny bit. Jesus will look back at us lovingly and he will say, it is now that I want to be loved, not tomorrow. I'll finish with this beautiful prayer from St. Augustine. How long shall I go on saying tomorrow, tomorrow, why not now? Why not make an end of my ugly sins at this moment? That's a great question. Why not now? Why not this moment? You aren't a slave to your sin. Sin has no power over you. You're already dead. So start living for God.